My name is Gunner, and I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and lovers of music to talk about their top five records that have inspired their lives and musical prowess. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. My band is just fresh out of the studio, recording a new record called Honky Rock. Pressed on vinyl, first side honky tonk, second side flip it over, nothing but rock and roll. And if you're digging on what we're doing here on this podcast, please do us a favor, leave a uh, review on iTunes. You can find my top five records pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, but a star for each of your top five records on iTunes. Hey, that's five stars. It'd be super appreciated. Uh, the link is down below in the show notes. And today it's another honor and privilege to have my guest on my Top 5 Records podcast, Mike Stinson. He's one of my hero honky-tonk songwriters. If you've never heard his music, please, please, please check him out. He's incredible. Um, if you can see him live, even better. He is up east right now, and his new single is called Close Enough for Government Work. Go out there, check it out. Today we talk about how when he was 15 years old in a record store and he was walking around, he heard Bob Dylan's Infidels. He asked who it was, listened to the whole record, and then he had to buy it. He told me that Peter Wolf of the Jake Giles Band was actually picking the walk-on and off music for the Stones, which I thought was impressive. Uh, one of my favorite things about Mike is that he was a drummer first before he became a songwriter. It's my belief, my personal belief, that drummers make the best songwriters. About people like Dave Grohl, um, I feel they understand, and this is what Mike says, the math behind the song. So let's get to the conversation. But first, close your eyes. You're stranded on a desert island. What five records do you have? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have Mike Stenson here with me today to talk about his top five records. Hello, Mike. Hey, Gunter. What's shaking, man? Mike is up east right now. He's avoiding Texas heat, even though it's not been that bad. We had a, a gig the other night out down at the Rustic Tap, and it was like in the 60s. It was awesome. Whoa, cool. Yeah. So um, Mike is uh, one of my hero honky-tonk songwriters, just so everybody knows. Um, and I do have a funny story to tell before we kick this off. One time, it was going, going down to see uh, Chicken Ship Bingo, and my, I knew Mike was playing. So I rode my bike over there, got off, and I went in there, and I would, I called my friend Shyla up beforehand and said, Hey, I'm going down for chicken ship bingo. She goes, go buy Stinson a, a, a beer. And I said, okay, I will. And I'm trying to buy you a beer. You're like, no, they give them to us. And so then I sat down, I was meeting my friends and I said, well, it's Keith Richards birthday. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and play chicken ship bingo. Cause I never really do. Well, when they announced the number, I look at my number and I turn like my friends right to the right of me. And I'm like, Oh fuck, he's nobody's here. I'm, I just want chicken ship bingo. And so I went and I took 20 and stuck it in your, in your tip jar. And I sat down until my friends got there and I said, yeah, I already won. Anyway, I told, I told Terry, <laughs> I told Terry, I said, Hey, listen, I'm never playing chicken chip bingo again until, um, it's Keith Richards birthday. And so I think it's going to be in 21 or 22. And I said, um, nice. FYI, Terry, I am going to buy all the tickets for one round. So I win again, so I can be undefeated Excellent. in chicken chip bingo. What's on Keith's birthday? What's uh, so that only happens once every seven years, is that right? <laughs> Something like that. That. Yeah, <laughs> every six years, probably. I remember taking a picture with you on stage when you won. I remember that. Yeah, uh, here, uh, didn't we? I'll didn't show we do you that? Okay, yeah, uh, this is this was the number I won with. Can you see it? No, you know what? I lost your uh, my video, video. Yeah, I can hear you, but okay, I well, can't see you. I don't know why that's very strange. Um, oh, well, that's okay. Uh, oh, here we go. 
All right. There, there you are. Hi. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, let's get to talking about your albums because these are hey. some really cool ones. Now, I expected a honky tonk and I didn't get one. What do you mean? A honky tonk record. Oh, well, you got to go back to my first couple few. Well, <laughs> well so your, your records that you told me that you would, would uh, take somewhere, we're going to ask you in just oh, a second. Oh, you mean the records that I chose? Yes. For this, the, my pocket. five favorite records. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you chose Tom Petty, Dan the Torpedoes. Oh, awesome. man. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Jay Giles, Love Stinks. Bob Dylan, Genius. Infidels. Love uh, it. Jackson Brown, Running on Empty. I haven't listened to that one forever. It was incredible. Um, Neil Young, Tonight's the Night. Amazing. Okay. Mike, where are you taking these records? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, taking them to whoever will listen to them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, let's start off with Tom Petty. Okay, I this thought you were talking about my own records with the honky tonk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a little lost there, but yes, these records. Yeah, I. You know what? I, I went. I went back to. These are some of the records that got me in when I was, you know, thirteen, fourteen, yeah. fifteen. I mean, that's I, I could have gone any which way with choosing these, and these are just some of my very earliest major influential things before I knew anything about how to play music or anything about it. You know? Yeah, no, that's that's great. I love it when when people choose them for that. Like that's I definitely choose some of mine. Yeah, uh, from what they did to me and musically, how they, they you know assuaged my my musical prowess. Yeah. But Tom Petty, I just listened to a Rick Rubin um, podcast called Unbroken Record. I think it's called, mm. or Broken Record, I forget what it's called. Uh, but he was interviewing Tom's uh, daughter, who actually did the whole Wildflowers and more, or whatever it's called, that just came out. With all those unreleased yep. tracks, because that was supposed to be a double album. Right. And he had produced it. Uh, but they mentioned Damn the Torpedoes and everything, like all, all that stuff. You know, this was mm -hmm. done in, what, 1979. It, was, it went triple right. platinum. Right. Uh, yep. His third studio album. Um, this is when he hooked up with Jimmy Iovine and and did it at the sound studio, at least part of it. I think uh, Iovine had been working with Springsteen, and and that's what interested Tom in having him come. I think uh, is why Jimmy Iovine ended up working on this thing. I know part of it was done at Cherokee Studios in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I, that's what I read too. Um, and I know that it stayed at number two for like seven weeks only because wow. pink floyd the wall was number one wow really cool yeah. I, didn't know that. I think they kept it out of number one yeah yeah well i read um a rolling stone review and they said the album we've all been waiting for that is that if we were all tom petty fans which would be if there was any justice in this world <laughs> Good one. uh what do you love about this album i mean this album was the first long playing record that my older brother brought into our house from like taking his allowance money and going to the drugstore and going in the record section and bringing records home. You know, we had a little box of 45s with three dog night doing joy to the world and some kind of kid stuff seeming seemed to me. But the first time rock and roll records showed up in my house, my brother brought in Tom Petty, Dan the Torpedoes. Damn. And it just was like, we did just set the bar, man. I mean, that's just been the I mean, that standard. had to be mind blowing that to be rock and roll first oh, record. Yeah. And I mean, just hook hooks galore and uh, cool. Everything's so cool about it, the playing. And I'm a huge Stan Lynch fan, the drummer that right. was on early Heartbreakers hits. And he just plays 
plays his ass off on there and uh just the grooviest tunes still i mean uh, you now you started off as a drummer right yes okay and so yeah i was reading that and i didn't realize you were that accomplished uh, i knew i know that you drums. play in uh, bands in houston too and swap that out but um uh, i always believe that drummers make the best songwriters so that's just my opinion. I feel Sometimes, like I, I feel exactly. like they understand the structure of a song almost better than than a guitarist. You know, and there is some truth in there. I do believe. I know another guy that's a drummer that, that basically switched to songwriter, guitar guy, and yeah. he always wrote killer songs. I mean, he just he understood how it was supposed to be you put together. The, the math of it. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The mathematics of music. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also read that uh, when Tom Petty was a kid, he met Elvis. Yeah. And then he saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And yeah. He said that the Stones uh, basically demonstrated to him how everyone could be rock and roll. Yeah, I remember him saying meeting Elvis. I mean, he thought it was like meeting God or something. And he, he never it didn't make him run home and decide to be a singer songwriter. It was when he saw the Beatles and we yeah. saw Elvis. He said, Oh, that's incredibly cool, but I can't do that. But when he saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, he said, Hey, I could do that. Yeah. Yep. There it is. There it is. Uh, favorite song on this album record. You know, my sentimental favorite is Louisiana rain. Mm, I think it's the last good. song on the record. Uh, I kind of always get soft place in my heart for this further down the record the slightly more the ones that haven't been played and played and played quite as much right i'm looking at the uh sequence now i mean god i remember being 12 years old listening to don't do me like that and don't thinking that was that. the coolest thing ever you know i, I love shadow of a doubt that the i mean groove on here comes my girl i mean god that's just that's that that's what made me want to play the drums you know Wow. And uh, which one did you just say? Shadow of a doubt. Shadow of a doubt. She always leaves me with a shadow of a doubt. I, I just I mean, like, I, I, how did you come up with that? Yeah. Yeah. We tried doing Louisiana Rain for a year or two in the band. And man, it's just so many songs. And they're simple, but man, you try to do them. You're like, mm, yeah. No I justice. I better leave that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I get it, man. Yeah. You know, she always leaves me with a shadow. Of doubt. I just think that's such a brilliant lyric. Killer. And I mean, come on, Refugee, one of the great uh -huh. hit songs of all time. All time. Yeah. Still uh, played on the radio all day, every day, all over the planet. I mean, as we speak, it's, it's like insane. How, how, I mean, the, the percentage of quality music that he kicks out. I know it. I right. I mean, I mean, for for a pound per pound, I bet he kicks out more than anybody else. He just wrote hooks one after the other all the way through. Never took a break. The guy was just spitting out records, you know, it was just. Yeah, there's just no flies on any of them. Yeah, you should go back and listen to that podcast. I'll send you the, the link to that podcast where Rick Rubin interviews his daughter because she's the one that was kind of behind the wheel of yeah. uh, releasing the new album. Yeah, I have seen bits of her being interviewed. Adria, I think. Yeah, that's her name. Her name. And uh, yeah, they got all that unreleased stuff. I want to hear that. Me too. Well, they're playing some of it on the radio. Cool. Um, what was the... I forget the name of it. But um, yeah, I've heard a couple of songs off of it. I, I need to go check that out as well. Uh, anything else about old Tom Petty you want to talk about? Man, uh, I don't know. Doesn't get much cooler than that. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. 
So lose with good lucky sometime, man. Sure. Yeah. There's um, another one. And I heard about him. He, they they cut that song in the studio when he didn't have the words finished, didn't even know what the chorus, what the words were gonna be, but they had the track, which that freaks me out. I, I never, can't do that either. I wouldn't I'd be too scared to cut a musical number saying, Oh yeah, I'll write some lyrics later. I might not write another lyric for two years. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I have to, I, when I write my music, I, I mean, I craft, I try to let every word actually have meaning in the song and mm -hmm. to have to do it right there. I, yeah. I, I hear people that go, yeah, I'm just going to, I'll wing it in the studio. I'm like, well, I bet you this is going to be very good. <laughs> you got to be very, very confident to pull that off. And he did it. And he said he was kind of just phonetically singing where, where he thought words should go. And eventually he started singing, even the losers get lucky sometime. And Wrote the rest of it. It's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. All right. Bob Dylan, Infidels. Bob Dylan. 1983, 22nd studio album. God, really? Already? 1983. Uh, it was produced with him and Mark Knopfler. Right. Yeah, he used Mark Knopfler on several records right along in there. And yeah. what a great partnership. Yeah, no doubt, right? You could hear him playing. Uh, Mick Taylor also played on it. Mick Taylor, yeah. I mean, he come on. He on several Dylan records, too, in, in there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I know that, that it was, there was the kind of producer that he was also looking at. He's look, looking at uh, Frank Zappa, David Bowie, and Elvis Costello. Who did? Uh, Dylan was looking for a producer. and ended, ended Oh, up really? Off, yeah. Around that time. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, Rolling Stone said that um, made Dylan's career uh, viable again, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, you know, best melodic since Blood on the Tracks. And, um, yep. you know, Blood on the Tracks was picked by a couple people thus far. This is the first Dylan record that has been picked that's not Blood on the Tracks. So Really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah Blood on the Tracks. Is, is, I mean, I could, I could have picked probably a half a dozen really viable at times different times in my life that i said this is my favorite bob dylan album i mean desire and there's so many i'm just obsessed over but um i picked this one because uh i was in a record store i was 15 years old i i knew bob dylan i knew blowing in the wind and like a rolling stone pop radio hits but and but I didn't, didn't have any of his records. I just recognized the voice and I was in a record store shopping for records at 15 and infidels came on and it took back several songs for me to say, Hey, I think this is Bob Dylan. I went up to the register at the record store. I said, what is this? Oh, it's Bob Dylan's new album. I said, that's ah, cool. You know? And I kept on shopping. I shopped through the entire length of the record. I was like, Oh, I'm buying this. Yeah. Stuff. Hell yeah. Home, you know? And man, I have listened to this thing. I mean, it's right up there with with the records I've listened, I've given the most spins in, in my life. I mean, I know it inside and <laughs> out, and it's just it kills me every time. I never get tired of it. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about it a little bit. This was the first, I think this was the first one. I know that it was recorded 100% digital, so was it no no analog tape on this. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Um, Is it no. done in Jamaica? Right. I uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not either. He, I mean, I know he uses the the famous reggae rhythm section, Robbie Shakespeare on bass mm -hmm. and Sly Dunbar on drums. And, um, but, and, and there's a license to kill video for the song license to kill where I think they're in a studio in Jamaica, but I 
guess I can't swear to that right now. I'm not, I don't have the record in front of me, but um, anyway, that's what I thought had happened, but maybe he just brought those guys up. Maybe I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I know, I do know again, Mick Taylor was on it. I mean, you can totally hear his slide work. He's just, Oh man, he's I, a genius. I, it, totally. I mean, I can, I understand why he left the stones. I mean, but that was the, that's the era of this. That's the golden era when he was in oh, the band. Yeah, man. Time I mean, waits for no one. Him and Keith. I mean, uh, all those. I actually did one podcast with this guy who's a huge Stones fan. We were at this bar nerding out on on the Stones and just kind of you know having silly arguments about which album is the best and all that stuff. And and I said, okay, you need to be on my podcast. And I said, but we're going to do top three Stones records. And we <laughs> cool. were going to argue about them. But then he picked the same three <laughs> that I would pick. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, man, I'm actually shocked and confused that I don't have a Stones record on this five here. I, and I considered several of them very seriously. Black there's one of mine, of course. Soup. Some girls, I mean, come on, it might be the coolest thing ever. Um, let uh, it bleed I, I don't know. Somehow I ended up with these five. I, hey, that, I, I get it. I get it. You definitely yeah. made me think for a while. I got lost. I had to set it aside and come back to it two days later. Like, <laughs> I can't get five records. Come on, man. <laughs> Most people ask me if they got eight or ten. I'm like, no, five. That's all you get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's totally fun. And, you know, if you go back and listen to them afterwards, you're always, you're always like, oh, yeah, this is – I totally remember why I picked this now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I picked only ones that I have just worn out top to bottom. Love every song on every one, you know, that kind of Ruined thing. your needle, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I loved how this album was, you know, it's it's, it's like so rudimentary and uh, it's not a real technical album. And it's, it's played with more soul than – and I, I think that's kind of what's most important, especially when it comes to somebody like Dylan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought Sly Dunbar came up with the interesting drum beats on every song that sort of sets these things apart that could get samey. But I thought there was some real interesting, uh, interesting using those reggae dudes for his rhythm section because they really brought their right, right, right. No uh, doubt, flavor, flavor to it. So, totally what do you know about his like his stint with being like a born again Christian? Uh, that would have been. Uh, late 70s early 80s uh the records were saved and uh slow train coming and to some degree shot of love which i almost put shot of love on this thing uh just that's another incredible he was sort of coming out of the religious music and and it was like that record shot of love is sort of half religious and half uh what would you say secular anyway um what do i know about it. I mean, I've read this gosh, countless books, and I mean, what, what do you mean? He, yeah, he got yeah way deep into it for for five. This was years. like the first record after he kind of came out of it, I think, or more. Yeah, and came out of it in just in terms of his songwriting. We don't know. I mean, I, he continued to practice his faith, and I know way later. I just, but it's in terms of like specifically focusing all his songwriting on on uh, spiritual slash religious type tunes that yeah that that you're right he was coming out of it in the early 80s and i think shot of love was 80 like i said it's about half and half what year is infidels 83 yeah 83 yeah yeah and there's stuff on there i mean uh guys always used cool iconic uh religious imagery in songs it's to this day he does but um the real heavy religious records were saved slow train coming and shot of love right on uh in joker man so dylan is known for his lyrics right joker man the, yeah. here's the lyric that just crushed me 
Fools right. rush in where angels fear to tread. Both of their futures so full of dread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? Uh, yeah. Um, just, I mean, lyrically, this guy is, and to be honest with you, 100% transparent here, I still don't get it. I don't get Dylan. Yeah. And I'm, it, the best thing about this podcast is I, I'm forced to listen to all this music. And <laughs> right. Dylan's been picked a few times. Yeah. You know, and I, but for some reason, I mean, I consider myself a songwriter more than a musician. And I'm trying, I'm trying to understand. Mm -hmm. But if you want to give me some pointers or some tips, man, I just, I think he's the best, man. He, he is my favorite. I don't say best. Our best is not right because music is, is subjective and, and, uh, it's not a competition. And, and that's, that's part of why I got into it. I, I, you know, I don't like competitive nature of so many things. Um, so not best, but he is my favorite. I mean, hands down and the bands he put together and the records he put together and the rock and Bob and the folk Bob and the gypsy rock and roll Bob and the mm -hmm. thin wild mercury Bob of the mid sixties. And then you've got the cowboy roadhouse Bob later on. And, uh, the, 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 uh, rolling thunder review was, was yep. just an amazing time period for him. And those records are fierce. His live shows, they put all that stuff out live finally. It's so great. And then you've got the Sinatra crooner Bob of the last handful of years. He's put out, he's got five records of Sinatra standards. I mean, you just never see that coming. No. He's already on to the next thing by the time you think you figured out uh, where <laughs> previous record, where he's going with that, you know. I don't know. He's just made all kinds of records, the blues, the folk. I just, 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 just never stop pushing the boundary and, and the turn of phrase. I mean, God, it's just the poetry is, is undeniable. I mean, so. Yeah. Well, so I kind of, I'm granted Rolling Stones are kind of me, you know, this is yeah. Keith is my hero, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh -huh. Tell me about it, but that's okay. Um, but so what I'm saying is, is that with the stones, um, I, the, the reason that I feel that the stones are the greatest rock and roll band to ever walk the face of the earth is because you can take any of the records at any time of their life or along their career, 50, over 50 years playing music together and see what the influences were every studio album. And like, so when you look at listen to black and blue, like they're listening to some serious reggae right now, you know, when they're going uh -huh. through their golden era, when they get, to, uh -huh. when they get to some girls, Hey, did disco time, you know, it's like, uh -huh. yeah, there's every place in, in on their career, you can, you can see where the influence. And that's kind of the same thing I'm, I'm going to say about Bob Dylan. Okay. Yeah. Right. Somebody with a lengthy career, if it's all the same, it's kind of boring, right? Right. Right. Most guys, even much younger than Bob are already out just doing a regurgitation of their big hits from decades ago. And that's their show, you know, and Bob has never stopped moving forward. And so he remains relevant in every new era and generation, you know, um, and yeah, yeah. He's, he's covered the whole musical landscape. You talk about, you know, being able to see, oh, this record. Oh, yeah, he must have been listening to a right. lot of Robert Johnson on this record or, you know, and on down the line. Yeah, there's a Bob record that covers, you know, every area of the musical landscape of our time. You know, um, <laughs> so if you're not in the mood for one 
you, you there's always another one I, for me I, clearly <laughs> well, not for you but i, I, I can listen i'll to tell you what i'd like you to do is maybe uh after we do this go ahead and shoot me over your top five uh bob dylan records okay i'll do that and then sure. i'll take a listen to them okay cool um so i just recently watched uh that two-part documentary rockumentary whatever you want to call it laurel canyon yeah me too that? Yep. uh so that's kind of segues into the next artist that we should talk about and that would be neil young sweet um tonight's the night i mean so you know this is okay 1975 six studio album um so dark depressing yep. and you know pretty much about loss and destruction yes um you know, there was, uh, I mean, this was after, what's his name, Witten and Bruce Berry, both OD'd on heroin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's like, you know, it, they did it in a practice space, right? They, right. They rented out SIR. Uh, yep, that's it. Space in Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, and they had that space, and then they used a mobile recording truck to do it in there. David Briggs, the great producer, that uh -huh. just was awesome at at doing field recordings on the fly with whatever gear, he, you know, he'd bring a funky old uh, tape machine in and just make it happen. And so good. So good. arguably the best Neil Young records were the ones that he produced. Right. Um, so this is, I love this part. I mean, this is how I want to record my albums moving forward. I want to sit around and drink and do drugs and play and, and, and play pool until I'm ready and then get out there and do it. No overdubs, no nothing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Because that's what I was just, I read that. And I just stopped and I was like, wow, man, that's what, you know, if you have the money to go sit around and drink and, and smoke weed and do whatever else you want to do, then, you know, boom. Yeah. That sounds like a, a really fun album to make. I know it. I know they were, he was, you know, clearly in a dark place on this stuff. But yeah, I was, you know, in, in all of my, uh, the last couple of decades of trying to get records made, you know, studio time is, expensive and limited and you're always in a hurry and you're you know you're on the graveyard shift or or you've just got you've you've you bar you you traded somebody for some other some help you're going to go play drums for him if he lets you come over and record some and it's just uh -huh. we never ever have had that luxury of just goofing off in the studio yeah, i know working on a riff you know maybe sitting in the lounge retouching the, the verses up i mean, I just never had time to do that so we never. had to have it together when we got there and knock it out you know as quick as possible so i one day i hope to have a pool table in the studio <laughs> be able to hang out <laughs> so, so far no. you just got out of the studio um we went down dripping springs to the zone and oh i love that place it's awesome uh pat yeah. mansky was behind the board yeah. he helped us yeah. he produced it with us yeah. yeah uh we're doing a record called honky rock um cool we're a rock and roll band um but we've been playing jenny's for like five years first friday of the month uh -huh. um happy hour and so we have this whole honky tonk set so i said i want to do a record that's on vinyl first side is honky tonk flip it over and it's just rock and roll so very cool full but we went in there for like five days and banged it out so, nice yeah but again back to your point is that there's no time for fucking around <laughs> right yeah <laughs> there's no money for fucking around right now. exactly you know and hell i'm paying for it you know me and me and yeah so i played uh drums on a on the, the ray wiley hubbard record that's coming out uh 
early next year, I believe. It was recorded at the zone. Only one song. I didn't play drums on the whole thing, which, but I played album? one track. I don't know what it's called, but it's not out yet. He just put out one called yeah. Co-Starring, I believe, where yeah. he's got a bunch it's of awesome. guests in. Yeah. And he's got a subsequent one of those of local Texas artists sitting in with him. And uh, nice. I ended up on drums on one track. But anyway, that's why I've been at the zone and the zone is super cool. And I would love to record there someday. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was, you know, it wasn't bad. I, we've done albums with AJ Vallejo, um, which is a different experience. It's kind of a one, one, one. Everybody records separately, you know, uh -huh. it's, it's all direct into the, into the board. So easy to punch in, but it doesn't have that kind of live. Yeah. Like know? band set up on the floor. And yeah. Everybody playing at the same time. At least the, the core yeah. rhythm section and some guitars and right. sing the song like you mean it. And, and then if you want to put on some keyboards or something later and background vocals, cool. That's but yeah, I like to cut at least four guys. Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, Turn things up. I actually went in for a six day and, uh, we had Buck Allen come in and lay down the keys in cool. B3. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. He's amazing. He's insane. Uh, so here's a review I read on, uh, tonight's the night here. Let me read this to you. Uh, okay. like a drunk, like a drunk at the end of the night, the record staggers, stumbles, and lunges forward. While lurching, uh, while a lurching gait can be a marker of damage or dysfunction, it can also be a sign of defiance. Because some force, whether from outside or something you bring on yourself, is trying to cripple you. But guess what? You're still standing. <laughs> That's cool. I just got the the, the, the goosebumps. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, I, that that's that's. Uh powerful man put it yeah, yeah. <laughs> right uh yeah no i thoroughly enjoyed this album it's again it's been forever since i've listened to it yeah so thank you you're welcome you're welcome yeah it kick kicks my ass i knew some neil young again kind of like my, my dylan thing i was vaguely aware of this artist not vague we had like russ never sleeps live thing. i knew the like a hurricane and uh down by the river and 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 uh some of those big ones southern man and that he had his acoustic stuff too. I am a child in Sugar Mountain. I was aware of that. And isn't that record sort of half and half? Uh, yeah. Speaking of half and half records, he's mm -hmm. acoustic side and electric yeah. side sort of. Um, we were into that. Um, and to, but tonight's tonight came a little later. I was a little gr more grown up. Yeah, you know, it's just mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, like you say, extremely dark. I got to that one. Of all these ones I picked, the other ones I was into before I even had a driver's license. Yeah. You know? But tonight's the night, a little later, probably freshman, sophomore year of college. I had okay. some very hip buddies who were turning me on to some other, some deeper stuff. All right. And got to tonight's the night, man. And I have just played this thing a bazillion times. <laughs> just like you say, loose and they leave, you know, you're amazed at what they leave in and the, the squonks and the, and the, 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 the noises, and the weirdness, and it makes the record spooky and cool. You know, I mean, but the, the beautiful thing about that is that they're all playing it live. They're not really overdubbing anything. And that's, I right. love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah, that is cool. You know, I yeah, mean, that's, too, that's like, part of what you're hearing. It's they, they left the quirks in, you know, because when I was in the studio, one of the guitarists was like, no, I got to get it right. And I was like, no, I don't, we don't want it to be perfect, dude. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's not what we're going for. We're looking right. for a vibe. You want you want a great vibe and you want some happy accidents too. Yes, sloppy too. I'm a, I'm a, I like sloppy like Keith. Right. You got to know what you're doing to make that sloppy thing sound cool though. 
Okay. Jay, <laughs> Jay Giles Band. Jay Giles Band. This one goes way, way back too, man. All right. Well, and, I do know it was the ninth studio album, 1980. 19 um, what? 80? 80. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have a funny story about the Jay Giles Band. Cool. When I was, I mean, little bitty, like when I would go and swing um, at my friend Jack's Cowden's house, we would have this little tape player. I think it was an eight track player. And we listened to uh, freeze frame and centerfold like nonstop while we'd swing in, <laughs> in these swings. I remember swinging and singing, love goes cold, love So um, that's my funny story about Jay Giles Bang. That's, that was the album that really kind of hit it for me. Uh-huh. Uh, but Love Stinks, I mean, that song itself is just nail on the head. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the pop hook of just, if you can't get behind that, I mean, come on. Right after his divorce with Faye Dunaway. Is that what that was? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I was a pipsqueak then. This is the record of all five of these. The, the other four I have are, are in my arsenal whenever I go anywhere. I, they're, if we're all going to go on the road, I, they're in the van somewhere. Right. I listen to them. But, but Jay Giles I, is one I hadn't heard, the record in its entirety in, in a lot of years. And so it was really fun. I've listened to it a couple of times in yeah. the last week. And it's just chock full of hooks, too, man. I mean, it's just, God. I, I was 12 years old. I mean, yeah, we were dancing around going crazy to that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then what the next album was, was, was freeze frame centerfold, right? What was that? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Love stinks. And then freeze frame was the one that really put them over the top, mm -hmm. made them a household name, MTV all over the world. But I mean, they'd been a band for 10 years by yeah. then or more and had made a bunch of records. Cool. Early, uh, you know, blues rock and, Jumping. super blues rocky you know and then they hit that after after this album they come up with their pop album with their biggest one yeah you can hear them toying with some synthesizers on yep. the love stinks record and then they kind of went full that way with the freeze frame and when the 80s and the synths came in that everybody was using and i gotta say that lost me on a bunch of my fave bands from the 70s they got way into the yamaha dx7s and all that kind of mm -hmm. was ah, yeah it's all right i'd rather hear love stinks you know yeah but, but i was but listen to that they, there are definitely uh synth parts on that record but they've they're but that's only on about half the record and right. and and pretty tastefully cool done hooks yeah, that was like Comeback Baby. I mean, I remember digging on that and the synth sound, and we didn't even know what the instrument was that made that noise. <laughs> we just liked it. What's that cool noise? Yeah. Yeah, I read, I read somebody saying something that like, this was... Okay, so you know every band, especially when they take it, like when Dylan went electric, oh, you can't go down, you got to say, say whatever, whatever people say. But right. uh, like all the all the Debbie Downers are always like, man, I mean, this was their last good album because you know after this they went all popular. You know, it's like, right? I remember back in the day, up yours, man. Let right. people find what they want in music. Oh yeah, and I'm always thrilled and for my heroes to to reach that epic status. Of, yeah, of, you know, and, and really get their their due and. And uh, so I don't not not begrudging it all. It's just that you know the '80s lost me with some of the synthesizers. That's all, and it's not a not a uh, you know harsh judgment on anybody. They were just using the latest technology, just like all the they were doing in the '70s when they played the instruments that that I happened to find that I dig the tones of. Right, you know, it's just 
they were using whatever the newest thing was and they just kept on doing that because they were innovators you know so uh and that's just when the 80s came up that's when those those instruments were the new thing and so everybody was trying them out drum machines and synthesizer yeah i don't have any problem and you listen back to it now i love it i love it it's just at the time you know. yeah no it's just like i mean wilco's been a prime example of that as well you know i mean they they started off as as this, I believe that they they're the people that I think Uncle Tupelo did, but I think Wilco was really really took alternative country to the next level. Yeah, yeah. Um, AM is in my top five records. Yeah, no, they're definitely godfathers of of a, a, a sort of a, a new genre. Well, Peter Wolf did an well, album. He's been there, of course, but I mean that 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 they repackaged it in a way that made sense for a whole new up, up and coming generation. So I learned uh, a performance thing from Peter Wolf. It's the whole, come on. That's my, that's my favorite thing that he does. Oh <laughs> uh, <Hell> yeah. <laughs> he, he, did, he did a, a solo album. I forget the name of it, but he did this one track with Shelby Lynn. Uh, just uh, tragedy. Yes. Yeah. Such that's a good song. Called Sleepless, I think. And no, it was the one after that. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, he's he's he makes great records. Has continued to make great solo records ever since he left Jay Giles' band. I love him. I just saw him live two years ago up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I mean, he still puts on a hell of a show. Yeah, sang with Shelby Lynn, sang with Aretha Franklin, sang with Mick Jagger. I mean, he yeah, gets around. He does. Uh, he's in fact. You said you're a big Stones fan. You know, Peter Wolf designed all the music you hear on the walk off walk on and walk off music for the rolling stones those long intros they do with really like flashing yeah peter wolf cho chooses all the songs for that wow yeah that that's awesome yeah or he did i don't know if that's well, still if, i mean just the fact that he did that they had enough respect for him to do that tight with those guys even last year when the stones were touring i saw photos of peter wolf because i follow his stuff online right. hanging with the stones man i mean i wish i could hang very with the well respected cat and uh i just love his voice and i love his songs and he's he's awesome yeah okay last and most definitely not least another killer album <laughs> running on empty are you kidding me god oh, damn, this yeah, is so man. good oh dude 1977 hell yeah again laurel canyon he was on that too. Maybe that's why you pick some of these albums because you just got done watching that. That's but, definitely up the way up there for me. I and, mean, and here, here's what I think is so incredible about this album. It's a being, it's like a concept album of being on the road. It's all live yes. or backstage or on tour buses where they're on the tour bus in the hotel room. Yeah. You know, so cool. it's so, it's so, epic man um you know they got two grammy nominations nominations uh and you know for the run on empty i was i read an interview with uh jackson brown and he said that he was always driving to the studio which was only four blocks away and he was always on he always had to like pull over and put a dollar in the in the, in the gas tank because even though it was four blocks he was always running on empty to go to the studio <laughs> okay cool didn't know never heard that one before yeah, but I, yeah. So I mean, of course, "Run Empty" is a killer song, and then the whole the load out into that that the last song, uh, yeah, you know, tribute to the roadies. It was just it's so so it's so so good, so good. Yep, 
though that one and the and the damn the torpedoes were records that you just i just i just wanted to be in the band i wanted to be the drummer <laughs> in this band i mean and jackson singing that when i was 65 i was 17 when 69 i was 21 i think that's a bit just by living on the road and you just god i wanted to do that so bad and they're cutting the song on the on the bus uh nothing but time and you can hear the engine of the bus mm-hmm. uh, yeah well then then the drummer's banging on a cardboard box and a snare you just like i wanted to hang out with these guys yeah for sure there's no doubt about that those grooves just the cool smell of southern california uh, uh, rock and roll thing just so so cool the vibes yeah no doubt um yeah no doubt I, I just you know it's so good anyway what else about this album talk to me what jackson brown well i mean he's another just tip top lyricist uh, he just he makes you feel something every song and there's some other cool stuff i think lowell george wrote uh, love needs a heart that is incredible too and uh but uh jackson's lyrics and his just cool groovy vibe you know his delivery is just so smooth fit suave and uh and then again uh, at the time i was so obsessed with drumming and that's russ kunkel on the drums a, a total southern california hero of mine i mean tip top played with so many great people into ron stat and all the crosby stills and nash guys and their various solo and duo records yeah. and, and in the in and out of jackson's band a bunch and on those big hits and uh he's just the grooviest drummer yeah i mean he's just right up there with my all-time heroes in life so that's another aspect of that record that besides just how great it, and the songs are and so well written and the musical hooks and having david lindley play the epic steel parts i mean uh slide parts on, mm-hmm. on uh, this iconic stuff that to this day i try to get a little bit on my records of some of those sounds do you play drums on your records no okay no always just get somebody that I think is great and let them do their thing. I, it's too much to think about to, you know, we're usually cutting the songs and we're, everyone has, has just learned them. And I need to be up there on the guitar, just like with the stage show. When I first started contributing some songs as a drummer to the band and singing from the drum kit, it's cool and all, but it's just a difficult thing for, it, it's a difficult thing for the audience to digest in, mm-hmm. in, in one way, but I, I know I'm getting away from the recording in the studio. It just, someone has to stand up there with a the guitar and lead the band through the song. And, I agree. And, uh, I totally agree. It's difficult to do that from the drums, especially when people are still working on the arrangement and all. Uh, it's just, I feel like I need to be it standing up front and here we go. G chord. There it yeah, is. Right. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. You know, and, you have to have so a, I've, and I've never wanted to piecemeal the records together like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I could certainly do a scratch acoustic track and then sit down and play the drums to that. And then I'd have myself on the my record playing drums. But uh, I've just preferred to hire great Life. people and, and surround yourself with, with great people and let them do, be great. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's cool. I mean, you know, you yeah. do have, I've thought of another drummer gone songwriter, Dave Grohl. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he uh, he's, gets, he's, he's had a little bit of success yeah, after Nirvana. You think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, going. St- I, I didn't know. I thought maybe in the studio you would want to play 
the drums. It'd be fun, ideally, if it was in a band where everybody knew these songs and had been hammering them out for months yeah. in the clubs and we the arrangements were down, then I probably would take a crack at drumming and, and uh, you know, and we'd catch the vibe. But I've just never really had that situation in the studio. Um, I think so we'll I'm go back to what we were talking about earlier is we don't have the time. Okay. You know, well, we don't have the time in the studio. Can't can't spend the time doing that. See there? No, not never enough time. <laughs> is there a song there? <laughs> yeah, right. There's a million of them. <laughs> right. Okay. So, hey, you, you are up east right now. You're in yeah. Connecticut. That's right. I'm in New Milford, Connecticut. And are you in the studio right now? Yes. I've just spent the last week in the studio. I cut a, a new a song, and it's actually going. We're going to release it at the end of this the week that we just started today. This coming Thursday or Friday, it'll be up on Spotify. It's a song of mine called Close Enough for Government Work. And I love um, it already. Where it's sort of topical, timely thing with this election coming up. And also, we just thought we'd do a rush thing. And we got a band in last Tuesday and cut the song. And we spent Wednesday and Thursday adding some bells and whistles and mixing. And it got mastered on Friday afternoon. And we're just wow. a pace away from releasing this thing. And I recorded it with Johnny Irian. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's, I don't know him. Uh, he and I were in a band together years in the late nineties, early two thousands. And we've just been friends ever since. Great guitar player, great singer, the best singer that ever sang with me and in, in all the incarnations of my band. Um, he married Arlo Guthrie's daughter, Sarah Lee, and the two of them have a, a folk duo thing they do together cool. and then hit it hard for years and have made a number of records that way. And then Johnny also, has made solo records and he has his own rock band us elevator and he's amazing and he's got this really funky cool old studio in dalton massachusetts and um he's got in fact jackson brown's two-inch tape machine nice tape machine that was in jackson brown's studio in santa monica for 30 years johnny got it about three years ago and brought it up to massachusetts and that's what we cut the, the single on this week last week at the zone they have jj kale's old tape machine whoa cool yeah very cool almost as cool as jackson brown actually i'm gonna say it's cooler <laughs> uh when They're it comes both pretty damn cool for, for yeah. me uh, songwriting hero hands down is jj kale for me yeah oh come on man yeah i naturally almost made this list i came an ace Troubadour. away i mean you can't go wrong with his albums i mean nah. That's that guy's the mood, prolific the mood, guys. man. You pop them on and you're just in the JJ Kale. You're in Tulsa and you're just hanging loose, man. Yeah. I just, I just wrote this song called uh, liver in the heart. And it's about a guy that is drinking too much because his wife or his girlfriend loves him too much. And so they fight all the time. Right. So mm -hmm. the liver in the heart, they're always fighting. And uh, in there, she's sold his JJ Kale in a rummage sale. He turned his bottle upside down. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Well, so you, you're recording this, this song. Any, any, did you record just this song? That's all you've been doing up there? Yeah, we just did one song. I'm on my way back up there. I had to get out of there. He, 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 what's it called? VRBO, Vacation Rental by Owner. He, yep. he rents this. He's got this amazing log cabin up on the mountain up there in, in Washington, Massachusetts. And um, 
he rents it out on the weekends. So I went, I got up there last Sunday and we had the week to, to hang the, around and yeah. record the thing. And then I had to make myself scarce on Friday because we had people <laughs> coming in. So I drove two hours south here to New Milford, Connecticut, where I have another great old friend who has a country home out here. And man, it's so beautiful. The fall, the leaves and everything. I'm here at the perfect time. And I'm, I'm essentially in the foothills of the Berkshire Mountains here. Okay now but the studio of where i've been the last week is 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 up in the in the berkshires does he have a name for a studio you yeah uh, god wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute oh man i can't give him a plug i don't know the name of the studio <laughs> it's it's in an old stationary factory and they got these all these old spooky old buildings up here in new england that have been there for 300 years all these old mills and stuff and this is an old stationary factory and he's got all his gear up in the, in the, in the top floor of this old building. Many, many steps, man. I yeah. needed oxygen every time I got. Give <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's a very cool spot. And, uh, he, in the latest big issue of Berkshire's magazine, he's his, he and his studio are featured in there. And nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's been there. It's been there a couple of years, but it's just starting. He's really clientele building. You know, it's really starting to get busy. Uh, good for him. That's that's yeah. great. Uh, email me or or text me when you when you figure it out, and I'll put it in the note, in the notes. But where okay. where can people find you online? Is uh, you Instagram, oh, Facebook, man. website? You just put my name in there, and all kinds of stuff pops up. In fact, all kinds of embarrassing stuff <laughs> pops up. <laughs> Naked on top of tables. People, hey, so good when it hits my lips. Yeah. Uh, no, I was thinking more just like crazy old YouTube clips of people put their cell phones, and you got no control over any of all, all that. Uh, but yeah, I'm on there. Uh, yeah, Facebook, of course, and uh, Insta. Uh, I've got a website, of course. What's and, your website? Uh, my records are, I don't know, they're scattered all over the place. I've got four records out, and they're, some are available on some platforms, and some are available on others, and I've, I really do need some help organizing all that. Okay, <laughs> but, so here, I, I'm, I'm just in case people don't know who you are and you're listening to this, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this from being a songwriter and having admiration for specific people. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a kiss ass or anything, Mike. I, I feel that in for honky tonk music, you should go down in, in like a top five. Yeah. I, I believe that your songs are so well crafted and so clever. I, I, I they're incredible. Thank I love you, coming man. to see you play. It's like, it's, it's a joy. So if anybody has never listened to Mike Stenson, please go out and buy one of his albums because they're, I, I, Thank tell you, me you bro. don't like it and I'll send you money. I'll pay you back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say about my first couple records is there's how much money it's like, yeah, I, I, uh, I sold them for 10 bucks, but now I'm, I'm paying 20 to buy them all back now. It's, <laughs> you know, trying to get Can't those get things out of circulation. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, I'm proud of them all. We've, but yeah, I've got four of them out and, um, and hopefully if this virus situation is out under control, I can uh, go ahead and make my next one. And, um, yeah, but look for my single this week, man. Close enough for government work. Close enough for government. Uh, website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Close. All right. So yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, um, what else you got to say, Mike? Man, I'm glad to be alive in this weird time. If you've got your health, then uh, you may as well be grateful. And uh, man, it's given it's just, uh, 
you know, all my work dried up. That's why I'm goofing around on the East coast. I didn't, I've got, it's for the first time in so many years, I've no agenda. I got nowhere to be. I got no gigs. It's a very strange time, but it's, I hope everybody, we can all hang in there and uh, get back to rocking before too long. Yeah. I mean, literally I paid, played my first gig in like six months wow. just on Friday. Yeah. There's only like two places here in Austin in the- that are open. I know it. I know it, man. That's why I'm keeping an eye on things. You know, we play every Tuesday night at the Continental Club in Austin, or I have for the last three years. That's well, not anymore. Not not for the last six months. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I was just saying that when that place reopens, I want to be there to pick up on my Tuesdays. But kind of until that time, I'm not racing back to do the odd show here or there. I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm enjoying being on the East Coast. I'm visiting family. I'm uh but uh, believe me, when the Continental reopens, I want to be there and, and, and resume my Tuesdays, man. Yeah. No, I, I read a study that was done by some Houston company on Austin. And that this was done like two or three months ago. And they were saying by Halloween, that 90% of all music clubs in Austin are going to be closed and done and over. That's what I've been hearing stuff like that, too. And it's heartbreaking. It, it's killing me. I mean, restaurants are going under like, I mean, some of them are just, just struggling to stay alive. You know, they're, they're getting pretty creative yep. with it. They're, they actually yep. allow people to uh, have to go drinks now. So I can go to taco flats now and right. go get yep. me a to go margarita, which I love. To go. Of course the police in the neighborhood aren't digging that too much. <laughs> probably. No, gotta not. keep, keep them down. Just keep them down. Beers down. Beer. Just remember that. <laughs> Shh. All right. Okay, man, this was a great conversation. I I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Yeah, man, it's good to see you and hear you. And thanks for the invite. And uh, don't be a stranger. Never, never. And it was fun talking about the records. Yeah, no doubt. So good catching up with Mike. Such a cool dude. Uh, Anyway, check him out online, the old interwebs. Uh, You can get him at MikeStinsonMusic.com. He's got a cool bio over there. On Facebook, he's Mike Stinson50, Instagram, Stinson Country. If you've got the gumption, head on over to TheBigGunShow.com. That's TheBigGunShow.com. Check out what my band is up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all with the same handle of The Big Gun Show Band. That's The on the beginning and Band on the end. And when COVID leaves us alone, our most consistent gig is our monthly residency at the Little Longhorn Saloon here in Austin, home of Chicken Shit Bingo. We play the happy hour the first Friday of every month. Bring Grandma. She'll have a blast. And if you don't mind, please surf on over to iTunes and give us a review. It would be very super much appreciated. Muy bien apreciado. I think I just made up that word. Anyway, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. And every other week after that, close your eyes. You're stranded on a desert island. What five records do you have? Mm-hmm.